morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a brand new Monday. So here from the Epic Film Guys podcast, and this one's going to be short and sweet. This is the review that we recorded last week. Uh, both Loy Sauce, our very, very own god of podcasting, and Paige Joy from Elm Street Radio and the Fred Heads documentary, they recorded a quick review again of Artemis Fowl, which you can find streaming over on Disney+. Plus. And I might chuck a little bit of extra stuff in after the uh, after this segment here, so make sure that you stay tuned after the review. Uh, we have another hashtag canon quarantine entry coming at you this Thursday. It looks like American Ninja is going to be the winner. So stay tuned for that, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, above all else, thank you. Thank you so, so much for listening, for supporting the show. And uh, if you're tuning into this on release day, we should be live over on Twitch at about 10 p.m. Eastern time. So twitch.tv slash Epic Film Guys. We should be live. Justin's back from vacation. And we're going to get it on, baby. We're going to get this show on the road we're going to do our pre-roll we're going to be doing all sorts of whatever stuff we do kind of getting back into our normal swing of things after live stream for the cure and after justin's vacation and everything else that we've got kind of swirling around and going on so thank you so much without further ado here is the god of podcasting and Paige joy thank you again so much Paige, for joining us on the show and uh i'll see you guys after Paige, do you mind if we start with artemis fowl does that sound good to you sure it sounds good i'm ready to go wonderful um well let's let's get this out of the way so Artemis Fowl, uh, of course, uh, based on a series of popular young adult novels by Owen Colfer. These were books that I read in elementary, going into middle school. I believe I read the first four books in the series, but nothing beyond that. Um, I distinctly remember hearing news about the Artemis Fowl movie beginning development with Miramax Films and the Weinsteins in the year 2001. Um, I had the paperback version of the Artemis Fowl novel, um, and in in the back section of the book, there was a page that said, coming soon, Artemis Fowl, the movie. Um, I had a DVD release of Spy Kids. The original DVD had a trailer for the Artemis Fowl movie that had not been made yet. Um, So even from the book's publishing, um, when it was first published nearly 20 years ago, um, there was hype for an Artemis Fowl movie. But alas... Uh, From there, it languished in development hell, with only intermittent spurts of forward movement every few years or so. Um, So diehard fans of the books gave up hope that the movie would ever finally materialize, and everyone else just forgot about it and went on with their lives. Until it was announced that Kenneth Branagh, the dependable filmmaker behind Marvel's Thor, uh, the Cinderella reboot, or the live-action Cinderella, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, and many a cinematic Shakespeare adaptation would helm the project. So there was hope. Artemis Fowl was originally announced for an August 2019 release date. Um, It was delayed nearly a full year, and yet its impending theatrical release was cruelly snuffed out entirely by the coronavirus pandemic. So Disney, (laughs) out of the graciousness of their hearts, assuaged the disappointment of moviegoers everywhere and and lovingly offered the film as an at-home premiere exclusively on their streaming service, Disney Plus, this past Friday. Now, 20 years later, lurching and lumbering over the finish line, heaving, gasping, farting, and drenched in flop sweat, arrives Artemis Fowl, the motion picture. And it's no small fucking wonder why Disney decided to cut their losses and dump this bomb onto streaming as opposed to waiting to release it in theaters. But we'll get into that. (laughs) 
<laughs> the plot. How dare you? <laughs> which I'll be generous and say bears less than a passing resemblance to the books, is about 12-year-old Artemis Fowl II, played by Ferdia Shaw, the descendant of a long line of criminal masterminds. Um, and he must rescue his father, played by Colin Farrell, who has been kidnapped by someone. And as a ransom, uh, this mysterious figure tells Artemis that he must retrieve the Aculus, a magical device that can do something. And realizing that the bedtime stories his father used to tell him about fantastical creatures weren't fantasy at all, Artemis finds himself in the middle of a war with fairies, trolls, and dwarves, all of which he must outsmart if he is to be reunited with his father. Now, Paige... (laughs) <laughs> I must ask you, because I'm going I'm to kick it over to you, for your initial thoughts on Artemis Fowl. So, if it was anything like the description that you just read, it actually would have been a really good movie. Mm. But I don't feel like it matches the description. I was watching it, and the beginning of it I loved, because I was like, I love when a movie starts out with like an epic event. Like, it's building up to something. But then that was it. And everything else after it, I felt was very rushed. I felt like none of it made sense. You don't really know what's going on. Um, there, There's a point like halfway through where Artemis, the main Artemis, you know, he's having like a memory of his father where he's reading in the journal and his, his father's talking about the fairies and all that stuff. That should have been at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> like that should have been where he's discovering like... <laughs> These are real. Like he's already on the hunt for them. And then he has this epiphany that they're real. So uh, to me, the, the film was beautiful. Like it looked beautiful. The cinematographer did an amazing job. The editing, it was beautiful. But that's about it to, for me. I just, it felt extremely rushed. And it felt like they kept building up to like an experience, like something was going to happen and nothing ever happened. I feel like are they trying to launch a TV show after this? Like, let's rush this and let's launch a series. But it was, it was not good for me. I I have a hunch that is probably uh, correct that they were hoping this would, that this would launch a franchise. The problem for me, and I, I agree with so many of the points you just made, but the problem for me is the film's endless. And I'm talking endless exposition and voiceover narration. Yes. There is a wraparound framing device with a dwarf character named Mulch Diggums, <laughs> which that name is just <laughs> fabulous. But so it's the Josh Gad character right. um, who is, you know, an associate of Artemis Fell. But at the beginning, he's captured by authorities and he's basically, they're interrogating him, wanting to know information. And he basically tells them the story of the movie that we're watching. Uh, essentially. And he never stops talking. We should not be hearing narration an hour into the movie. Um, There's a moment where the fantasy world of the fairies is first introduced, um, where we're seeing the the underground world for the first time. And Josh Gad says in voiceover, he says, welcome to the world of the fairies. And he only says that for the audience's benefit. So we know what we're looking at. But if he were being interrogated by government authorities, he would not say, welcome to the world of the fairies. (laughs) It wouldn't make sense. So I think what happened was that this was hacked to bits in the editing room. You, You were, you were talking 
and you were um, so on point with this, that the movie is 95 minutes long. This is not enough time to get an audience acquainted into a fantasy world. If you compare this to like the Harry Potter series where they ease you into it and it's a sense of discovery, then it's one thing. But this film plays like, it feels like it's playing on 1.5 speed. Right. I think, I definitely think that's that. And I think the Josh Gad character, I don't know if you have this feeling, but I feel like any role that Josh Gad does, he just reminds me like a lesser version of Jack Black. So Mm. like any role that I see him in, I just think would have Jack, would Jack Black have done that role so much better? Like it's a cheap imitation of what Jack Black would do. And so for me, it was so annoying to keep hearing the same voice over, over and over again. And even there was a point where Artemis and I can't remember the young girl's name, they're staring at a computer screen and they're even having a voiceover and you don't see them at all talking, but it's them in the scene talking. And it just, it just blows my mind that this is something that was 20 years, like you said, 20 years waiting for, and then this is what you get. And it's so disappointing. Absolutely. The editing is abysmal. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, like, Okay, so for example, there's one scene where, so you have, um, essentially, part of the story focuses on a, a basically like fairy cops. Uh, they're like a reconnaissance team uh, that uh, deals with like fantasy creatures um, who are breaking the fairy laws or whatever. (laughs) And so you have Holly, who's kind of like this upstart kind of like fresh face. She wants to get high in the ranks of the police fairy um, force. And Judy Dench is the commander. She's very gruff and all of that. So there's a scene where um, Holly is out on a mission and over her headset, uh, Judy Dench says, "Get back to base immediately." And Holly says, "Yes, Commander." And then, it, and then Judy Dench says, "That's an order." And I was like, "Was this edited out of order?" Because yeah. it should be that Judy Dench says, "Get back to base immediately." That's an order. And then Holly responds, "Yes, Commander." But the way it was edited, yeah. <laughs> it's like it didn't even make any sense. Um, so I, I think something ser- something had to be seriously wrong in terms of the. Uh, in terms of the, I, I feel like this started out as something much different than what we ended up seeing. Right. Because even when you're when you're talking about the character of Holly and how she's like this upstart in the in the the army of the the fairy army, right? You don't even really understand that. You don't even really grasp that that's what it is. So I felt my time. I, I watched it and felt like there were two different stories going on that neither had any context to build the story. So it wasn't until about halfway through that I realized, oh, okay, this fairy is fighting for her father who's connected to Artemis's father. You don't even really grasp that this is the story that's going because it is, it's so poorly edited. And for me, that's all I do all day long is edit. And so I stare at a screen for 14 hours a day and think, how can you miss something that, simple so it was just blowing my mind but i was thinking if i was a kid i probably would have loved this because it's visually stunning Mm. and i think maybe that's what they were hoping for with like a release in like theaters because in theaters this would have looked beautiful because just the amount of colors and all of that but 
It, so let's talk different. about that. If, if you want to embellish on that a little bit, yeah. a, a little bit more about the visual look to the film, uh, because I found it to be a, a somewhat uneven. Um, there's a fight with a troll early on and the CGI effects on the, on the troll. Um, like yeah. <laughs> the, the, the CGI effects on the mountain troll from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone 20 years ago look better than the troll that we see in Artemis Fell. Right. Um, but I, but I, however, I do agree with you, especially, um, I love the practical makeup effects on the goblins, mm-hmm. the look of the underground world, um, the, the fairy world that we're introduced to. It, right. It's just a shame that we barely see it because a majority of the film takes place in Artemis's house. Right. <laughs> it's like a singular location. But I do love that sense of a larger world. And it's just a shame. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like the film could have embellished on it a lot more. But um, talk to me a little bit more about what you... Uh, like liked about the effects and or the um the visual look to it so very much just that like i loved when they went into the fairy world i love anything that kind of has like a sci-fi element to it and even though this is fairy tale lore it still implemented a lot of sci-fi themes to me so in the fairy world the colors just were super vibrant for me and it just looked incredibly clean and so for me i'm always looking for like clean film and clean cinematography and then even when they were inside artemis's house like after it was destroyed and he's running through it i just felt like those shots of old architecture things falling apart i just felt like that just was really beautiful for me and really the practical effects like i was blown away i thought they were going to go full cgi especially after seeing the the troll scene that (laughs) that troll was horrible even in the end like that it just but I think that's why I would have liked it as a kid. Cause I don't think as a kid, I would have noticed those things, but being an adult and really dissecting films and looking at stuff, I feel like this was cute. Like that's how I think of it is like, Oh, this was a cute movie. When in reality, <laughs> this is a big, this was a big budget film for them. And uh, to me, I think you're, I think under 10 is going to love it. And I think that that's what might keep it going. But I think anybody who, like yourself, who has nostalgia, you read the books, I knew nothing about it. So I didn't know where it was coming from. But someone like yourself, who has read the books, that would be like a huge disappointment for you that would be like, I don't want to continue on if they do have a series. Um, well, that's the thing, too, is that I, the, the, the story of the film does not resemble what I read in the book. So I, I'm not a huge fan of the books. I have not read them since, again, I was in middle school. So um the in a kind of a sense of compare and contrast let me kind of talk about that a little bit because artemis fowl is meant to be the villain in artemis fowl um he in, in the way he's written in the novels he is untrustworthy he's scheming he's not loyal to anyone but himself he would double cross his best friend if he thought it would serve him so that is his character in the books but in the movie they rewrite it to i guess they were thinking they wanted him to be a more sympathetic character maybe they thought that asking kids to sympathize with someone who's morally ambiguous or has dubious um allegiance or i think they just wanted to open up the audience a little bit for a character who was like a normal kid and not necessarily a criminal as he's written so that's the disconnect i feel like is that the whole dynamic of the story is changed by making artemis just like a normal kid who's just like a little you know he's you can tell he's above average intelligence and he's rich but other than that he's just a regular kid with with daddy issues and again in the books he has a sick mother 
uh, and a lot of his motivation for crime is theft of gold so he can pay for you know his mother's operations and whatever. But in, in the film adaptation, his mother's dead. They just right. do away with her character entirely. So that's the disconnect. Um, but let's let's talk let's move on and let's talk about cast a little bit because um, in portraying uh, Artemis Fowl, you'd want a kid with some charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I don't like to be rude because I'm sure he's a great kid and he's going to go on to have a great career. Apparently he's the grandson of, uh, Robert Shaw, Quint from Jaws, which was news to me, um, <laughs> until I found out very recently. So that was pretty shocking, but, um, this kid can't act. He can't act at least not no. based on what I saw in this movie. No, he, I, I, I don't know. He just seemed very like blank, very like dead space. Like, especially when that scene where Artemis and Holly, she's in the cage and he's like, can I trust you? And he like pulls off his glasses. It's like, he's just staring at her emotionless. And I feel like in that type of scene where they're kind of exposing themselves bare, you know, he should have had a little more range, especially in his face. I feel like when you're, when you're acting, if you're being quiet and you're being silent, like you should at least, have those eyes. It's hard to explain you, but if you've ever watched a movie where you just look at somebody's eyes and you can just see their emotion truly in it, this kid had nothing. It was just like a flat emotion throughout the whole thing. I I know exactly what you mean. And at the end, going back to my point on, I feel like this was a very different film at one point than what we saw on screen because at the end, he says, like, I'm Artemis Fell and I'm a criminal mastermind. And I'm like, are you? W- right. When did you do anything in this movie that, <laughs> that would give us an indication that you are a mastermind of anything? I spent the first half of the film wondering, is he a fairy himself? Is that what this is setting it up? Is oh. that like he's going to discover like that his father is the one who stole the thing and it's a secret and he's really a fairy and he's going to have magic powers? And that's where I thought the whole thing was going with. I had no clue that he was supposed to be this criminal mastermind that they were trying to, to do. And that line at the end, I felt like it was just a throwaway line. Like, and I'm a criminal, blah, blah, blah. Like I was like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and like I said, Artemis Fowl in the books is the villain. So in this film, this hooded masked figure kidnaps, uh, Artemis's father. Mm-hmm. And and we don't get a sense of who this villain is. There's no reveal. The villain's identity is kept like as bait for a sequel that will never come because like there's there's a threat. We know that this is a bad person. Um, but we don't understand the motivation of why they're doing this. Like, imagine the Phantom Menace. Imagine Star Wars: The Phantom Menace. If there was no Darth Maul, right? And, and <laughs> like, that's that's what we're dealing with here. So it's again a, a movie where there's no clear threat or villain um, does not make for a very exciting movie watching experience. Right. I had on here that they were trying to be a fairy tale version of Star Wars, but it was giving off more like a Santa Claus two vibe. <laughs> so, sure. Like, Speaking that, of, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like, I, that's what I felt. I felt like they were trying to make this something other than what it is. And it's going to bomb in my opinion. Well, it's certainly not going to make its $125 million budget back. But speaking of that, I mean, I know he wants that sweet Disney cash, but Colin Farrell, after Tim Burton's Dumbo and now this, I mean, <laughs> come on. It, I, I feel so bad for him because he's such a good actor in the right role. But apparently he reportedly shot shot his scenes in three days and it shows yeah. no presence as the father, unfortunately. 
Do you think he's contracted with Disney? Do you think he has an agreement that he has like a picture deal with them? He has it's, to be. This is it's, how many different times has he shown up in a Disney movie where he's just like randomly the dad? <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, it, it's probably that sweet Disney cash, or maybe it's a Tim Burton scenario where Tim Burton, like in order to make Frankenweenie, you have to make Alice in Wonderland. So um, maybe it's one of those scenarios. But I think the casting overall, and I'm not going to compare and contrast the book too much, but so in the book, the fairies are described as having coffee-colored skin, as having dark skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Holly Short, uh, who's the fa- you know the fairy character in this, uh, ha- is a white woman. So there's that. Um, I could excuse that, but then there's super questionable stuff too, where you have Foley, who's like the IT tech expert centaur and of course they cast an indian man to play the it guy mm-hmm. and then you have uh uh artemis's like right hand man his kind of ba- basically his um uh his his butler who's they make a joke in the movie that he's uh conveniently called butler but he doesn't like being called butler uh but in the books he people call him butler so i i don't understand why they had to change that i guess maybe because they cast a black actor they thought maybe him just being referred to as butler the entire movie would be questionable but then why cast a black actor because the role of the butler is that his family has been serving the fowls for generations so there's like this subtext of like indentured servitude (laughs) going on so like the whole casting is a mess i mean you have judy dench who's a class act as always as commander root um but even she seems out of place here. I mean, the casting is just, I feel like all over the place with this. Oh, I agree. I think um, the thing for me too was there was a scene with Holly and Josh Gad's character where we know Holly is supposed to be a lot older. She's 84, but the actress is clearly young. And it was even kind of giving off a very uncomfortable vibe. Like the Josh Gad's character was like, into her like oh you'll love me you'll blah blah and i'm thinking yeah she may be playing an 84 year old character but it's still very much a child actress right and so even that kind of set a little bit of a a weird tone and then when you see the butler you're like okay this this does not seem right (laughs) like this whole the whole casting is it's very off and you know more about what it's supposed to be so i'm kind of getting blown away that like oh this is what it was supposed to be this everything was wrong right and i was but not even knowing the story like i was like this just doesn't feel right and then now what you're explaining that in itself would have been a better movie well uh page i think your in, your intuition <laughs> <laughs> of something telling you hmm something's a little off here is it was completely on point with this but you mentioned josh gad um and I, I do agree that this is probably a role that would have been better served if Jack Black had been in it. Although I think Jack Black should just be in everything because I love him. But <laughs> I do appreciate that Josh Gad was playing a much less hyperactive character than he normally plays. Like it seemed like he was playing an actual adult rather right. than like the childlike characters that he usually plays in movies. Um, there is one scene, and I want to get your impression on this two page, but there is nothing that can prepare one for the sheer abject terror of seeing Josh Gad unhinge his jaw. Oh my God. Say it's feeding time and then burrow a hole in the ground by eating the dirt and then watching the dirt spray out of his ass. (laughs) Yes. I, first of all, I was blown away that like, that's what that his character's 
like thing that he did i was like oh i was like they're like talking about he's like gonna burrow into the house and i was like oh he's gonna like super like go in and do this like super spy style and then he like unhinges his jaw and all i could think of the entire time was this looks just like west craven's new nightmare yes. like, <laughs> and then it starts like shooting out of his, his ass and it's like this is what they're doing okay like i was like all right but then when he gets up to the safe and he's like unscrewing the safe, I was like, this is what I imagined him doing. So it just, <laughs> it was an effect that fell flat. But all I kept thinking was, wow, did they steal this from New Nightmare? Or, <laughs> or like was, try to get Beetlejuice, like the, the knockoff of Beetlejuice or something. It was creepy. It was it's creepy. certainly nightmarish imagery, that's yes. for sure. <laughs> creepy not in a scary way. Creepy as in a, they shouldn't have gone with this way. So There's a lot of stuff that I feel like was cribbed from other sci-fi fantasy movies like I, I feel like um i mean talk about influences like i feel like a, a lot of the jokes and and really the concept of like the memory erasing thing where the when the fairies are doing their reconnaissance mm-hmm. um and uh you know they don't want humans to know that they exist so they do these memory erasing uh they shoot them at these memory erasing rays that are like, okay, these are the neuralizers from men in black. Right. There's a joke that Josh Gad is like, Oh, David Bowie is one of us. He's a fairy, which is like a shameless ripoff of the Elvis is an alien joke from men in black. So I just was reminded constantly of other movies as I was watching it. Right. Yeah. I didn't get the, so I've seen men in black a couple of times, but like, I didn't get the like reference to the Elvis joke. I was like, Oh, that's cute that they like made a reference of him. I was like, that's so cute. But again, like, are they implying that David Bowie is like, were they making a joke that because he's gay, he was a fairy? No, I thought it was like, he's supernatural. Okay. Like I thought it was like, <laughs> I thought it was like, he's one of us. He's not human. Like okay. that's the way, yeah, that's the way that I took it. I was like, Oh, that's so cute. Like, you know, that they're, like, honoring him, that he's, you know. But then I was also thinking, like, the fairies, to me, like, are they kind of representing aliens? Like, I, the whole thing, like, threw me off. Like I said, with the whole green and the, they looked like, they looked like they could have been aliens coming to Earth. So I think that that's what it represented for me, but. Sure. I oh, and you made, a, you, you made a good point earlier, too, um, about. Uh, the kind of aesthetic of the movie. And that's what I loved about the books too, is that the merging of the fantasy and sci-fi genres, Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't imagine like fairy tale creatures using this kind of high tech, you know, all this tech, um, like, you know, guns and, uh, and, you know, all the armor that they had. It's, it's pretty cool. That kind of blending of, of genres in a way. Right. I almost feel like if they would have done like a backstory, like origin of it, like up to the Artemis Fowl point, like if they would have done the before where the the thing gets stolen and all that, that would have been a really good film leading up to this because then you would have understood all the like back end and concept of what's really going on and you would have been able to see more of the fairy world, which could have been more sci-fi and more beautiful. But this film to me just did not work. And I was bored most of the time. Right? <laughs> Well, so so uh, let, let's let's move on to our because I mean we've 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 gone ham on this movie. <laughs> so let's let's bring it home and let's just kind of talk about our final thoughts of the movie. So uh, give it to me, Paige. What do you, what do you got? And I'd also love to hear your rating out of ten. What you would give Artemis yeah. Fell? So I think that this movie, if you are if you have a child who is under ten years old and just want to entertain them and put something on that they haven't seen. 
throw it on. But I think if you are looking for a suspenseful story where the hero comes out the victor, this film is not going to be for you. It's just very confusing. It's rushed and not relatable at all you have no investment in the characters what's whatsoever until the later half of the movie you're like oh if this would have been at the beginning then i would have related to the character a little more um so i'm gonna say it's like a three and that's a nice three (laughs) (laughs) well damn well damn you know what Paige? um I, I think I'm not going to be too far behind you in terms of rating. Um, this thing's utterly incoherent. It, it never slows down. It never shuts up. And yet it's a staggering bore. Um, you don't care about any of the characters because the film hasn't given you a reason to care. Um, there are characters who are introduced and then promptly forgotten about. I want to actually, uh, you've given your rating, but uh, I want you to talk about, if you can, a little bit about the um, the climax of the film. Because during the climax, Butler suffers a seemingly fatal injury. Shit. Spoilers. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) I don't. Um, But like the film expects you to have like this really emotional reaction to it. Um, And and you don't because you don't really care about Butler as a character. And then you remember that Holly has healing powers, um, which you would only know if you made the connection from the earlier scene where there was like blue light coming out of her hands when mm-hmm. she was doing some, I guess she was healing the troll. Um, and, and that blue light was in fact her using her healing powers, but that's like a blink. If you miss it, like passing reference. Did you get that on, on your so, first watch? So I did. So when I got the point where she says, don't you use your powers, don't you use your powers. And if she wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have realized that's what she was doing was healing the first initial troll. So then when it happens, I was like, well, why isn't she just healing him now? And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. They casually mentioned that they turned off her powers. You don't even make it a big thing. Like, like she could be in the middle of using her powers and all of a sudden they go out. Like, there's nothing. She gets thrown into a chandelier. And so when he dies, you're feeling like I should be feeling sad right now. Like, I should have this overwhelming sad feeling, but I don't. And then when she heals him, it's not any big relief. Although he does have a funny moment where he's like, I didn't cry, did I? Like, that did make me laugh because the actor, I felt like, delivered that line really well. But it just, it fell flat. Like, it just, like the rest of the movie, fell flat. (laughs) Just like everything else. Just like everything else. I feel like the only redeeming features for me were there's like a kind of exciting shootout sequence towards the end mm-hmm. um, when Artemis and Butler are, are basically just like gunning all these fairies out of the sky. It's like kind of like surprisingly violent, but awesome. But it's then like, how do they know how to use those weapons? That was my other thing is, is how do they instantly know how to use these weapons that they've never seen before in their life? that was probably explained in an earlier version of the movie that we'll never (laughs) see because again in the in in the book artemis from my recollection again i have not read these in ages but uh artemis doesn't use a gun um butler kind of is the heavy lifter in terms of the action because he's so like huge and muscular and so artemis wouldn't be firing a gun anyway it was a cool sequence, but again, you're, you make a good point. It doesn't make any sense because it's not explained anywhere else in the movie. Um, I also think the score was very beautiful. I mm-hmm. think it, uh, Patrick Doyle's score belonged in a much better product. But it's no wonder, in my opinion, why Disney put this on Disney+. Plus. I think they knew it was a train wreck, and they knew it wouldn't be able to recoup their budget. And 
um, I feel like this thing was focus tested into oblivion, not since Scoob, which was only a mere month ago. And yet it feels like an eternity ago. Have I seen such a desperate, like focus group tested hack job of let's put this in there because it'll be relevant to the kids. Oh, kids won't like that because it, it will make them think about what they're watching. We have to remove that. Um, and, and much like Scoob, it has such a fundamental disregard for the integrity and even the basic premise of the source material. So I feel really badly for fans who've been waiting 20 years to see an Artemis Fowl movie. And as you said, Paige, earlier on in the review, like this is what they get. Right. Pathetic, pathetic. So I'm giving it a two out of 10 for Artemis Fowl. One notch notch below, below Paige, but we are both in agreement, not worth your time. Not at all. Nope, not at all. And I, I actually still haven't seen Scoob because of that from all the horrible reviews. Lloyd saw us loved it. Don't let him lie to you. <laughs> He's watched it five times since the first time he saw it. <laughs> Alrighty. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is our review of Artemis Fowl for this Monday sode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you, Paige, for joining us. This was this was so much fun, even though we were talking about a movie that both of us hated. But <laughs> sometimes sometimes the 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 crappy movies are what bring us together the most so um page tell people where they can find you tell people where they can find elm street radio and fredheads so you can find elm street radio on twitter and youtube and facebook at elm street radio you can find fredhead stock at twitter youtube and facebook at fredhead stock um and then you can find me on twitter at the dot page dot life Excellent. and again we'll stick all of those links down in the show notes thank you so so much for being here page uh because well somebody had to talk to lois house and he wasn't going to talk to me <laughs> i could have just sat here as like a i could have just kept playing justin sound drops like back at him as he tried to review the movie that is an episode that you guys should do that's oh an episode God. you should try and attend just we, do just do justin sound drops in response to whatever whatever he said we just not have him come back for a couple weeks and we'll just make people think he's here <laughs> like weekend at bernie's it yeah <laughs> that's perfect you have the right idea but yeah thank well, you thanks. so so much for being here Paige. Uh, again no, check down in the me. check down in the show notes ladies and gentlemen for all the links where you can find her for myself for our very very beautiful god of podcasting and i mean i guess we might as well shout him out even though he's not here no one fights like Esdon. no one bites like Esdon. no one sucks a gigantic dick like Esdon. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> oh my lord and speaking of disney movies for page <laughs> thank you so so much everybody for listening lois Haas, until next time we will see you at the movies this week in epic film history like I said, I'll take any opportunity I can get to get Caleb on a mic, uh, just because he's amazing. And, and Gerald, I love you. I'm a huge, huge fan of yours as well. So it's oh, really, really great you. to have you in here. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm not done sucking dick yet, Caleb. What would Emily have to say about that? <laughs> I sucked a dick last night. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best. That's still my favorite one. The that's still best. my favorite. One. How is that not your ringtone yet? <laughs> <laughs>
a good solid mouthfeel. So yeah, uh, really, really fantastic beer. Justin would actually probably enjoy this beer. So Justin, if you can find this, get it. The dick that I sucked last night has a good mouthfeel. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it said about you. <laughs> Brad Bird resisted making a sequel to this movie for a long time because he wanted the sequel, he wanted the story to be just right. He wanted everything to be just right about the film. Who can who can drop a quick synopsis on me right now? He should have waited longer. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's our review, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you and good night. <laughs> You know what's a lot scarier than ghost nuns? The fact that all around the world, the Catholic Church is covering up child molestations. (laughs) That's that's the real horror movie here. You're right. I didn't know where that was going for a moment, but I was like, is he going to be like, all around the world, statues crumble for me? Mm. (laughs) Who knows how long I've loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Caleb knows. I got to preface this. I'm at my grandma's house, okay? Uh, I'm susceptible to what she has, bro. So, not only I'm going to show you the beer on the uh, cam, which of course the audio folks, I'll still have to tell you. But also, this expired in March of 2018. Nice. And I'm and I'm legit drinking it. Uh, it's poison. It is. God. Uh, damn. So you see it before I tell everyone. So it is Bud Light that expired three months ago. Uh, <laughs> well, by now it might have fermented crisp, a bit to have some alcohol in it. Crispy as fuck, bro. I, uh, like I said, it's what Granny had in the fridge, you know what I mean? So I'm popping it down there. Mm. <laughs> I was really hoping he was going to pull out like a say. jug of fucking moonshine like Granny was the secret distiller. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, we were in a tow truck an hour ago just trying to make it to the recording. So this is what she had. So here it is. Bud Light. Dilly dilly. Now, when I saw this film, it was uh, packaged with a short film card called Bow mm-hmm, uh, that mm-hmm. let it yeah, off. I like that yeah, a lot. Bow was way better than Incredibles 2. <laughs> <laughs> Bow was pretty good. Bow was pretty damn good. I, re- it, I really it's about did a little, that. It's about a little old lady who makes a dumpling and then mm-hmm. it turns into a, a real live boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. He's coming back. There oh, he is. Fuck. That was weird. That was weird. My internet didn't die. Like, Zencaster was just like... Zencaster just, like, locked me out for some reason, it seemed like. Yeah, because you were wrong about the hippo. (laughs) (laughs) You was definitely not wrong about the hippo. It's the worst-looking hippo I've ever seen if it's supposed to be a hippo. It's the worst! It's still a fucking hippo! Look at the fucking nostril, motherfucker. Are you blind? I'm sorry, I forgot you watch movies on a fucking computer monitor. We're, we're, when you have a perfectly good we're, we're, brand new fucking TV under my bed waiting for you, and you're like, no, I don't want that. I'd rather watch I'd rather watch movies on a piece of shit fucking 10-inch. Well, I don't know if seeing that never said prop, that I didn't want it. I don't know if seeing that hippo prop in any better resolution is going to make it look any better. Oh, it does. It certainly does. Uh, but it still looks like a giant melted dragon piece of shit, because that's it what it does, is. It does, but I can tell it's a hippo. Let's Shake move on I'll, from this. I'll, I'll bet you both a hundred fucking bucks I don't, right care, I don't care what it's supposed to be. <laughs> when I watched it, I thought it was like a fucking Loch Ness monster type creature. I, wish I, it was. I also thought the same thing, Nick, so... Also, like, no the f- Loch Ness monster faked photos were way more convincing than that fucking hippo head thing. There ain't no fins on its head or nothing like that, or no horns on its nose. I've seen Loch Ness monster. I've seen it in person. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> 
Let's hurry up with this. I'm going to keep drinking the rest of that bottle, and I don't think I can handle uh, that. Loisos, can you roll us back in somehow to wrap out the film or something? Then then come over here and roll my balls <laughs> on your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie's going to spank you with the belt now. After I took my shower and I was naked laying in bed, I went to Yelp and I reviewed Moothru. I gave Moothru a good review. It's really easy. You can just sit around naked and do it. Probably while you had his dick in his hand. I did, too. I was rubbing my balls. You can also, while you're taking a gigantic dump, go go give leave a review. I know that I text Loisos when I take gigantic dumps. And you were sure to tell me about them in great detail. You, you got to find something to do. You know, half That's of the, the way epic it works, film man. guys... Yeah, half of the epic film guys posts on our Facebook page are all done while I'm on the shutter, so... I assumed it was way more than a half. I'm surprised to learn it's that few. Well, yeah, now... But, see, here's the thing. Now I don't need to take as many dumps because I'm taking a fiber supplement called Fiberlize, which all people should try. It's very good and it tastes good. I still have... Uh, I have plain uh, husk fiber that I put into my smoothies every time I make husk a batch. Husk fiber. Yeah. That sounds very manly. It's just it's just normal fiber. That's I'm all it is. Put some fucking husk fiber in this shit. But it keeps me nice Drink and fucking down. Keeps me nice and loosened up. Plus, it helps to thicken up the smoothies a little bit as well. So it's it's uh, it's uh, it's perfectly fine. Yeah, you like it thick, don't you, baby? I, yeah. You want that husk to be thick. <laughs> husk thick, Danny. Boy <laughs> sauce is not amused by this. It's because we're doing potty talk about the potty, the toilet. He doesn't like that. I'm above that type of humor. <laughs> I've seen you puking in the toilet before, so shut up. Your head was right on the bowl, too. You could, listen, you could be above <laughs> that humor all you want, but you still know what show you're <laughs> But I love our show, and I wouldn't change it for a thing. Aww. We should that, warms, that warms the cockles of my heart. We should try to do, like, a serious show, like not have fun at all and not curse and not do any potty humor at all and see what it see what it'd be like i mean I, I assume that it would be exactly the same it just wouldn't have the potty talk in it because we do like when we talk about like when, once we dial in and we start talking about a movie or we start dialing into something like we drop unless it's a movie we really hate and we start flinging around the f word a lot or whatever like we drop the swearing we drop the juvenile antics we drop the cock talk and whatever and we just we dial in and we just have a good conversation about a movie and then when that's over we immediately go back to dicks 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 i've noticed though i've honestly noticed that during canon quarantine that the dick talk is actually kind of a little bit it's dwindled down a little bit which i'm totally fine with. except for last week when we talked about the robot with a dick in cobra loy sauce i can't wait till you listen to that episode so you can hear us talk about the robot that clearly clearly has a dick listen that made such an impression that our longtime listener and good friend and follower Corey wade actually posted on his instagram now i can now unsee the robot dick thanks to you guys <laughs> it told you so you made you. you made a lasting impression on some people based I on told this robot's you, cock. And, and I just I you know what I don't know what it is about me that I just immediately saw it the first time watching through the movie, but it's because that robot is it's the only robot with a dick, number one, and number two, it's dead center in the shot. It is literally in the center of the I shot still of think all the robots. I still think it's a tail. That or the robot was so hard from hanging out with Bridget Nielsen all day. But that's that what I that's what I want on. to assume. Don't you take that narrative away from me. 
Okay, all right. Man, it's not a tail. Holy got fuck, a she was hot in this movie, that fucking movie. Jesus. Jesus. Voiceless missed out on Cobra, and it's a I movie did. he I'm, enjoys. I'm, I'm sorry. I wish I could have joined in the discussion, but, you know, it what, is what, what it is. Matters, I'm here. What matters the most to us is that you're feeling better mentally and physically and that you're here now. That's what matters to us now. Thank you. And we Thank love you. you. And, uh, and, and... Uh, sound drop. Daddy's gonna spank you with the belt. Also now. that. So just you keep that in mind. I wanted to spank him with the belt. But we did talk about a robot with a dick last week. Yeah, we did. You cannot assumed, unsee it. I assumed that it would come up in conversation. Yeah. Hashtag robot with a dick. I can't believe that I'm the. There, there's no way I'm the first person that ever watched that movie and was like, wait a minute, does that robot have a fucking schlong? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> It's the first time I've ever heard anyone mention it, and I've watched that movie like literally fifty times, and I've never noticed it. So, I guess that shows how I mean, non-observant it, I am. It, well, it says more about me than probably anybody else, but I'm I'm comfortable with who I am. <laughs> I bet you that you can find dicks in movies where there aren't any dicks. I talked about that. What other kind of movie was it that I talked about? The dude that clearly had an enormous package. I can't remember. Was it? You expect me to it remember wasn't what we talked two. about last week? What movie was it? I can't remember now. Cer- certainly wasn't Invaders from Mars. It had to have been Kickboxer. Maybe it was Kickboxer. I can't remember. There was one canon movie, though, where legitimately the dude was fucking packing a fire hose, and that thing was just, like, <laughs> smacking around in his fucking sweatpants like it was trying to strangle somebody in there. It's like, remember, like, not to get back into wrestling talk or anything, Justin, but you remember when they used to have Shawn Michaels, they used to come out in fucking short shorts, and Shawn Michaels has, like, a fucking massive package, and I think... I remember, I think yeah. I think one time Triple H remarked he had, like, a bushel of bananas in there or something. I can't remember. Dude, yeah. But every I time that- Shawn Michaels would come out to be a guest referee, he'd come out in this fucking little pair of short shorts, and it looked like he had a fucking snake in his pants trying to fucking strangle him. He's endowed, is what I'm saying. It's uh, it's depressing listening to him talk now, now that he's born again. Not that I have any problem with that or anything, but it's like, man, I want to hear from the the old Shawn Michaels. At least we still have him in video and in and in gifts and everything. Very true. Very true. At least we at least we still have that. What force? Avenging force. Avenging force. Starring. Hold on. 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 In five, four, three, two. Avenging Force starring Mital Dude. Oh, fuck me. Mital. Hold on. Five, four, three, two. Avenging Force starring Mital Dude. I said Mital again. <laughs> That's what happens. You don't eat anything from 345 to fucking midnight and you're drinking vodka. Hold on. Basically, Twitch distilled it down for me as we're not big enough uh, to get front page. Like when we did live stream for the cure, I wanted to be front paged on Twitch just just even for an hour during like a five day event, like one hour could have put us in like thousands of eyes and like potentially thousands of dollars in donations. Like, but they wouldn't do it because we're not big enough. So like starting when Justin gets back, I think, I think we'll wait for Justin to get back maybe, but it's, it's, it's just, we've got to try to play Twitch's game in order to, in order to um, make whatever we can make off of it, you know? 
Sure. It's sad, but it is. It is. And Justin will be back next week, right? So, well, are we going to let him come back next week? Is the question. <laughs> That's more what I was leaning toward. Like we, it, I he think we'll just have be to back, back every week. No. <laughs> <laughs> sauce, do you really want this on the show? That guy felt my pee pee one night. Yeah. Aren't you enjoying? Not really. <laughs> aren't you enjoying the freedom from that right now? I just want you to get me drunk right now. I love well, that he busted it be... into the hobster in the Poltergeist review for whatever reason. I'm like, why choose that episode to bring back the hobster? <laughs> I don't know. I've yet to listen to it, so I don't remember. I don't like. I said I don't even remember. Came together good. Came together okay. really good. Good. Uh, we had a whole section that we completely skipped over where we were going to talk about things that we actually didn't like about the movie because it's it's really just a love fest the whole time where we're just talking about the great things about you know what the best part about it is is when i got to that point in the edit like i wasn't watching the timeline i wasn't looking at the timeline to see how much time was left so like i think you had both already given no you didn't even do scores i don't think (coughs) i don't remember you were already wrapping up on it and you were already you were already wrapping out and then you were like oh wait we, can we talk about what we didn't like about the film? And I was like, if they go on for another 10 minutes about stuff they don't like about the film, I was like, I'm cutting it all. Like, I'm just like, it was already over an hour at that point. I'm like, no, yeah. no. But then you guys were quickly like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Uh, well, because, I mean, at, at that point, it's like, if, if we already talked for an hour about the amazing stuff about Poltergeist, and then, like, at the end, talk about, like, uh... This was, the, you know, this editing was a little bit weird. Like the, it, it would have seemed casually even, thrown in. Like it wouldn't have been worth it to even mention. Yeah, so exactly, it would have just been toss away. I'm, I'm glad it came out the way it did. Yeah, it came out good. Cool. I didn't do anything special with it though. I just, it literally got the, the, the old school B sides intro and outro. Fabulous. Uh, all right, this is still running health checks. I don't care, Zencaster, because we're going to be using the OBS recording for this anyway. But we might as well do some sound checks really quick, just so I have some footprint on my track. So, Loisos, if you could sound check me. Check, check, sound check. Wow, and Paige. This is Paige Joy for Elm Street Radio doing a sound check. Again, why can't we have this level of professionalism (laughs) and class every week? Seriously, no. You're now invited back every week. We're not letting oh, Justin thanks. come back. Justin's on permanent vacation from the show. <laughs> we, could, we could swap podcasts. He could do Armstrong sure Radio. But sadly, that means you're going to have to start watching a bunch of canon movies. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends but on which moments they are. <laughs> you already missed The Last American Virgin, a.k.a. just 90 straight minutes of tits. <laughs> I think like so that's obviously it's not a horror film but that's one of the things that I hate about certain horror from like even the the 80s and stuff like that is the gratuitous amount of nudity and I think that's why I'm not into like the campy teen films because of that like I'm not like an American Pie fan like that was when I was in high school was American Pie and I just didn't I don't understand those things or even like the gross out humor like um Ryan Reynolds was in that movie, the Van something, Van Wilder. Yeah, like even like those types of films, I'm just not, I I call those not smart films. (laughs) No, they are definitely not. Yeah, I'm just not into them. Like I like like films that have a purpose in Mm -hmm. a sense, Mm -hmm. Um, but I can appreciate a campy, ultra campy film. Like one of my favorite films is Mannequin or freaking Howard the Duck. Like those are like the two campiest, freaking stupidest films ever, but I love them. cherish them as like cinema royalty but 
But I just, I think that's one of the things like overt sexuality in a film I'm not a fan of. And I think it has to have purpose. Like I always said, if I wrote a horror film and there was nudity in it, it would have to have purpose for it. Yeah. And so I probably would not like the film that you guys are about to talk about. Well, arguably, I mean, I, I guess it just depends on your viewpoint because arguably there is a purpose because for 90, okay, for like 80, percent of the movie it's just what you would expect when you hear a title of the last american virgin um but it kind of flips the script on you a little bit uh in a way that i don't know if it pays off we'll talk about it nick <laughs> yeah we're, we'll 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 talk about it later i will i will say just for Paige's sake because she won't be here to to hear us review it uh she can listen to it later obviously but um i am a man who loves breasts Mm-hmm. But it reached an oversaturation point, even for me. <laughs> if you can have too many tits in your movie for me, you got a problem. <laughs> Eventually, it's just like, can can we not like <laughs> something else, please? And then like it's 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 weird. The at times we'll talk about it later. We got we got to talk about it later. Um, it's just it's just really weird. Never mind. Doesn't something matter. to keep their minds off of that. That's something movie related that landed in the last two days, which got me fucking excited, is the first official photos from Denise Villeneuve's Dune adaptation. Denise, I'm super Denise, excited. Eh? Huh? Denise. I, I said it wrong. God damn it. <laughs> you, you know what? Whenever he slips out, like whenever, whenever a review or news about Denise Villeneuve comes up, you always will do it wrong the first time, and then you'll get it right until he drops back out of the news again for a while and you forget about it. <laughs> <sighs> Hold on, let me take that again. God damn it. <sighs> okay. Alright, we you are going to go directing lo- fucking Doctor Strange 2? Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Well, dude, well, I didn't tell you. But me and Loisos paid for a photo op. We had a photo op and autograph with Sam fucking Raimi last month. Yeah. Paid for months ago. And then he canceled a month and a half beforehand because quote unquote filming something. That's when I knew already that he was guaranteed he was going to be like doing pre-production for Doctor Strange 2. So I already knew before they officially announced it, because that's why he canceled that. So me and fucking Loisos were going to have a fucking picture with one of the best. Well, I'd say one of the best horror filmmakers slash he made. Probably, I mean, we all we all agree. Spider-Man one two of the best comic be book movies ever. Fucking Spider-Man made. 2 will never be. touched. Exactly. So when when he canceled, we got our refund. I was like, OK. So that means he's doing that movie. Whatever. Yeah. So it would be cool. Honestly, like my, my main home out of it is I know it's nonsensical, but I'm like, dude, give me Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man again. Well, I know Who they wanted to make I know they wanted to make it horror. They wanted to give it more of a horror bent. And the guy that was developing it and the guy that was going to direct left. it. Yeah, he left. left yeah. But he was more of a horror director as well. So I think it makes sense to get a Raimi on it because he can skirt that line of comic book fun and also horrific elements. Also, he hasn't made a fucking big budget movie since Oz the Great and Powerful. Which, so, 
Yeah. He directed one episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead, which is very good. Don't remind me of that but... fucking kind of bullshit when we're just about to start fucking recording a oh. review of Cobra. Now you're going to get me all in a bad mood. Now I might want to bash it. Now I might you're shit all over it. it. You're going to bash it anyway, so... There's something about like just smelling a, 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 a cinnamon stick that, soaked in booze. That looks like a fucking fruit roll-up from here. It's... It, do you eat? Can you eat that? Didn't taste it. No, it's just it's cinnamon bark. It's like tree bark. <laughs> so yes, if you eat tree bark, you could. I guess it's just a cinnamon stick, dude. But I, mean, I do sit here and suck on it, like. It's okay, got so there you go. Good. So that, that all right? So you're technically ingesting it in some way. So I was right. I'm not wrong. You're you're sucking it. So that means close enough. Look, I could suck enough, on you a could dick, but I'm not ingesting thing. it, motherfucker. <laughs> oh God! All right. That's going right, in the outtakes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I have no reason to cheat tonight, so I'll behave. How are you going to die? It, it, it adds so much. It does. It really does. It's all right. I think I have another track I want to fold into it. I wanted to. I wanted to kind of keep adding to it week after week, like little by yeah, little. Yeah, that's like a good if, idea. Like if I can find more and more and more kind of cool quotes to throw into it. So I, I think I have another one I want to throw in there now. Which is well, I, I can't tell you right now. I, you you got to wait until you hear it. It's a surprise. Well, you should add on to it each week. So we need a quote from. Well, there aren't really any good quotes from Invaders from Mars, are there? Yeah. What the fuck would like? What would I put in there from that movie? Exactly. <laughs> the end. Uh... I mean, I could put quotes from that in there, but that wouldn't even make any sense. You hear that? Is that the disc shaking around in the case? It's the sound of the disc rattling around. Mm. I love that sound. Yeet, yeet. We should do an episode on True Lies that's not part of Canon Quarantine, but we should just do it because it's the greatest movie to ever exist. I Justin mean, and I watched that together one time. It was just the two of us on his couch watching True Lies, and we literally stood up and cheered and applauded <laughs> at the end. Why were you not just standing the whole time? Uh, we literally stood up. Like it was, it was an involuntary reaction to the movie. It's not like we had planned it. It's not like we talked about, let's stand up and clap. We just, right. at the exact same time, involuntarily, stood up and clapped for True Lies. So that just sounds like that just sounds like an appropriate reaction to me. You're fired. The problem is, is that you had to stand up, but you weren't just standing and applauding the whole time. That's that's really <laughs> the problem. That's really where the problem comes in. Uh. <laughs> All right. So, hold on, one more second. What the fuck? What is he going to kiss the OLED? He went in that direction. He must be going to kiss the TV. All right. You did, didn't you? You fucking did. What? Did you go? Did you go kiss the TV real quick? Did you go kiss the Dolby Vision? I grabbed my Olbus. 
kiss the OLED. That's what I heard. I heard kiss the OLED. Do you think I'd OLED. actually put lip prints on that thing? I clean it every day. Oh, my God. The wife actually let me put on, while I was working today, uh, the Naked Gun movies very quietly because she had headphones on. So I got to put those on and quietly have them on while I was working. Also, how many have you have both of you seen National Lampoon's Van Wilder? Ages ago. I had never seen it before and we watched it the other night. So then I was like, I need to follow this up with another movie that I thought I saw that I don't remember. Dead Man on Campus. Okay. I also ages ago. Okay, so you've never seen that saucy? No, I've seen Van Wilder and I found it like disgusting. Like actually repulsive. It was like two thousands gross out comedy, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very much up there with like the American Pie movies, which is why I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but see, American Pie is funny. Look, jerking a see, dog off with a donut and getting and then dog getting nut guys in a donut. to eat it. And with all the shit rolling it. down their mouths. It's oh, disgusting. Dude. Yeah, like I said, that's, that's literally par for the course for like late 90s, early 2000s gross dude, out comedy. It's 100%. the most politically incorrect thing ever, and I love every fucking second of it. It's not a good movie by any means, but that's not why I'm watching it. Are college humor movies ever good? Rarely. Private Resort is a masterpiece. Well, I'm glad you came around on that. <laughs> I'm glad you came around on <laughs> <laughs> ending soon in the fucking the cafeteria area or whatever. Oh, oh my god. Hey. What's the problem? What? With the car. What's the problem? Just get out of my fucking face. Who are you? We're still in the fucking car. What's it to you? It's my car. Now you're gonna die. He sent them a message. (laughs) One of the best lines, one of the best parts of any movie ever. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Holy fuck. I was dying. Like, I was was legitimately crying from fucking laughing, watching that fucking final action blow out again. I, I was too, it's dude. So it's amazing. Like it's so insane. Like, but it's just it's glorious. Like every part of it is just amazing beyond words. I and loved I've it. Se- and I've seen this obviously more times than anyone else I know. I've watched that movie at least at least twenty five times in my lifetime. And tonight, like Danielle's doing the dishes during the ending, and I'm literally falling over laughing. Especially when, you know, when he's shooting, you know, paint by numbers, what, waiting for you to shoot at me. Okay, I'm shooting at you. And then you fall out. And the way they just go, ah! It's like the funniest thing ever. I wish all action movies were like that. Seriously. Action movies need to be like that again. You know I don't the, want you to... You know, the, especially especially in, in, in hindsight, and I'll talk about it when we talk about the review too, but in hindsight, compared to the other canon movies that we've watched, it's, it's very, very clear that I mean number one it's Bronson so Bronson's obviously been used to holding the gun in all of his movies before but like they actually knew what they were doing gun wise in this movie and like everybody was holding guns like you're supposed to hold guns and not the way they hold them in fucking like King Solomon's minds where it's like lazily falling out of somebody's hand and shoots sideways out of your fucking hand 
Like, yeah, you know, Bronson had to do like extensive training with the makers of the Wildy gun because it was like a newer gun at the time. So he really wanted it to be perfect. Um, Fucking he, love like, that thing. I actually looked it up like behind the scenes stuff before we recorded. There's behind the scenes footage. It's very brief. It's like two minutes, but it's showing him like doing practice with the killing the giggler scene. He's like practicing it, like pulling the gun out smoothly and aiming it properly and being able to. He was a good marksman. He was actually a really good shooter in real life. Yeah, Br- so. Br- well, we'll talk about this too. But like, I think Bronson, lo- Bronson just looks like he belong, like the gun just belongs in his hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Looks like it was made for him. Really. Exactly. Yeah. What a glorious fucking movie! It's an, it's an movie iconic this is. gun, dude. Because when you think about action heroes, you think Rambo's got his bow and arrow. You know, usually Schwarzenegger's holding two machine guns at the same time, and Bronson's got the Wildey. It's it's just amazing. And that gun just looks like it could, you know, like they said, the elephant cartridges, it'll blow like a hole through a tiger, you know? My friend Wildy. Yeah, we got lots to say about it. It's a shorter Wildy. version of the African big game cartridge. <laughs> and I love how he's especially making his own cartridges and explaining the difference and how much more powerful they'll be. There's nothing on earth quite like just watching Bronson make his own fucking ammunition. <laughs> That's why even his worst movies ever, I still love all of them and I still will watch. There are some pretty bad ones that even ones where there's no action, or like he'll pull a gun on one guy and on the poster of the movie they'll have him holding a gun. I'm like, he didn't even shoot anybody. He didn't even aim. He just pulled a gun out of his pocket. You know, but I'll still watch it just because I love Charles Bronson. I'm so excited because, dude, mm. this is the first time we've reviewed a, f- a full review. Even though we did Brown Sember, where you kind of comment did commentary on how you felt about movies you'd watch, but we never fully di- have done a Bronson review till now. It's true. I I, I do want to get your your opinion on um, the ending, gentlemen. But um, I mean, of course. Sorry, let me start that over. Not allowed. <laughs> I mean, of course, we've already talked about how gosh darn entertaining this thing is. Of course, it's full of bizarre uh, (laughs) double entendre. Not double entendres. Let me take this over again. Sorry. Hang on. No, you know what you need? Wait, I know what you need. I know what you need. Hang on. I got you. People want the sauce. So we've already talked about... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just fucked himself up twice over from that it's like uh you could get like a drive-by what am i trying to say sorry i'm trying to make a joke about people getting women getting pregnant just from the car driving by you can make a better joke about this than me <laughs> and in an exploitative and exploitive exploitative exploitative Sure. Exploitative. How do I say that? Is it exploitative? Yeah. Okay. All right. It doesn't have to be shameful. It doesn't have to be exploitative. Play. play. <laughs> God damn it. One How more much alcohol have you had to none. drink tonight? I'm sober until I'm sober until my birthday. So I've had none. But, all right. One more time. That was when boy sauce was only a five-year-old boy. He was now still- look at him. Now he's a man. <laughs> Maybe he was even in preschool. So I now don't know. he is D'Artagnan. 
We're going to get Patrick Sherwood on it. We're going to tell Patrick Sher Sherwood to Photoshop your face onto Chris O'Donnell's body in the Three Musketeers movie. Uh. Yes, because no matter my skills, his Photoshop skills are of legend. Legendary. And must be, must be respected and appreciated. Legendary. He gave us the Hobster. And I mean, he basically I basically did. I don't think that we would be the same if we didn't have the Hobster. Hey, you over there! Through the God filter know. on Nathan. I, yeah, Nathan's I mean, God know... filter is on. Nope. Nope. Which... He might have done. He might have done both, but it it was now pretty wise. Okay, you're you're certain about that? I did all the research I could tonight. Okay. In a few minutes, bitch. That's fine. Keep going. You probably did. Dude, to be honest with you, cut all this shit out. Between us. No, I'm serious. You're he probably did both, mother. dude. I didn't even look into Tung Po if he had done Tung Po's voice. I just knew when he spoke because he I don't, his tongue I don't po remember Tung Po having any lines of dialogue in the movie. Yeah, Tung Po doesn't have any lines of dialogue in the movie. But <laughs> as soon as Freddie Lee talked, I was like, dude, I know that voice. That's the dude that lives next door to fucking Goofy on the Goofy show. I was like, on the animated Goofy animated series. And I was like, that's the same dude that. You just know that voice from every, like, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and everything. And I looked it up, Darkwing Duck. Yeah, it was Jim Cummings who okay. did the voice. He well, may have okay. done Tung Po as well. but You can I, you can pick back up from, or, or start the whole thing again. I didn't mean to I contradict. The, I just wanted to The only get line the... that Tung Po has in the film is when he talks about the female love interest and how she's a good fuck. Yeah. No, it's okay. You guys can take it from here. I'm done. Okay. Uh, Here's your structure. You're sober, so enjoy those peeps, motherfucker. <laughs> Is drunk on peeps not still like impaired a little bit? Like I, I, I thought I had nothing left, and I still have like look at this little sip of that much mm, sugar in your body. I mean, that can't drinky, be drinky. that can't be healthy. So no, saucy. I'm sorry for uh, canon movies can't have structure, but I love that you're trying to add it, and it's going to be great. And you're not my dad. Well, because otherwise it would just be a free-for-all and Nick what, talking what, about what, how things suck over and over. What it always is, a giant mess, and people love it. I know, right? Okay. We've we've found our niche, Loisos. Count, count back in. Here we go. All right, guys. That is going to do it for another Monday So here from the Epic Film Guys. Uh, I, of course, am Nick for myself, for Justin, for our very, very own got a podcasting thank you so so much for listening and until next time we will see you at the movies <laughs> <laughs>